this stuff is essentially a lifelong process, right? It's, it's not a weekend project. You're going to bang it out uh, this weekend and the next weekend you'll go back and you can build a cabinet or something, right? Um, but the thing is, is that it, it's, it's a gradient. Toughness and all the elements of toughness lie on a gradient or a spectrum, whatever you want to look at it as, so that it's not you're either tough or you're not. And therefore, if you start not tough, trying to get to tough, you just stay not tough forever until mo- suddenly you, you hit toughness. It's every moment that you are working on that, you're making some kind of forward progress and you are getting tougher step by step by step by step. So it's like if you're going to walk a mile, you can look at each step that hasn't reached the end as failure, right? I haven't gotten to the mile yet. Or if you're smart, you look at each step as being one step closer to the mile. So you are that much farther along in the process. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Thank you, Patrick. How are you doing? We are are joined by a guest. We are joined by Greg Everett, founder of Catalyst Athletics, author of the wildly popular Olympic weightlifting. I think that's the name of the book, right, Greg? Olympic weightlifting, a complete guide for athletes and coaches. My titles end up just being full sentences, typically. (laughs) (laughs) So I think anybody who's dipped their toe into Olympic weightlifting, certainly on the coaching side, probably has that book on their bookshelf. Um, But you are out soon with another book called Tough, Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment. You're right. That is a bit of a a full sentence. (laughs) That's that's about the the 15th variation of a subtitle on that book. (laughs) Finally, I I just had to pick one and move on. Yeah, that, that is how it goes. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to dive into this. Um, uh, I've just started to read the book. Really, really like it. Um, thank you for sending it out to us. Um, I wanted to start with a, a kind of an, a, a question that I always think about when I'm reading a book, which is kind of two things, two parts of the same question. The one is, why this book? Why this book now for you? And then when I'm reading a book, one of the first things I always try to figure out is like, what is the central question? What is the central problem that this author is trying to answer or solve that got them through the process of writing a book? Which for you, I think you started it, you said in the book, like 2011, you started putting pieces together for this book. So I'm really curious, like, what is the problem? What is the question you're, that, that got you through this process of writing this book? Uh, what's the funniest part about that is I didn't ask myself that question, uh, but now it's been asked of me several times. And and the, the best response that I can come up with is that I essentially had this feeling that I needed to come up with some kind of unified theory of life. Right. And I know that sounds super grandiose, yeah. uh, but that's the best way I can describe it is, you know, when I initially started taking notes for this book, it was uh, the... The ideas were very specific. They were more on the the training and physical side of things. Yes, a little bit of mental, of course, but um, the more I got into the process, the more I realized that how interdependent all these different facets are. So not just the physical, not just the the mental, but the emotional and um, 
you know, who, who we truly are, what our values truly are, whether or not we're aware of them, things like that. And so to me, what it evolved uh, into kind of during the process more than prior to starting was how do we truly determine our identity? How do we, how do we actually develop and, and, and cement our character in a way that we are driven um, kind of in harmony with what's important to us rather than by kind of arbitrary goals or, or external incentives or, or, or other motivators so that we're not just kind of scrambling our way through life trying to reach this whatever we think is important at the moment. And when we do get there, as we often do, and find that we're totally uh, unfulfilled still, you know, how do we avoid that trap? And then, you know, again, I, I hate to sound so grandiose, but it's like, what do we need to know as people to have this greater collective experience, you know, in a community at every scale, you know? So that means within your immediate nuclear family, to your neighborhood, to your gym, you know, to the world. And again, I know it sounds insane, but it's really what it comes down to is, is when people have this kind of stuff dialed in, when they are secure in their identity, when they, they have the, uh, the strength of character that that engenders and the, the understanding of what they truly value and why they're doing the things they're doing, why they're making the choices they make, then we all get along a lot better. We can communicate better. We can uh, kind of find the common threads, kind find the common goals, uh, rather than having these ridiculous juvenile, uh, you know, beatdown sessions with each other throughout our lives and with ourselves. Honestly, is trying to figure mm-hmm. out what on earth we're, we're doing and why we work so hard and you know uh, do all these things and, and try all these self improvement things, but we don't ever actually get anywhere. And I think it's because all these pieces are not uh, they have not coalesced properly. Holy smokes. Are we done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. That's another episode of Chasing Excellence. If you pick up his book, wherever books are sold. Patrick's like, yeah, I was kind of looking for two sentences on that. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's no, so, no, no. Greg, it's so phenomenal because, um, so first off, like, huh? Like, yeah. I thought we were talking about toughness. Like, mm-hmm. that's, kind of, that's kind of like the, like, what? Like, this is a book about how to get along, how to find fulfillment. Like, I thought we were, I thought this was about, um, withstanding pain, about how to get through, um, Bud's Hell Week, how to, um, uh, lift heavier weights. So. And it is among everything. Yeah, I, and I know it is. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. And that's why I, I really enjoyed it reading the book because it's a different perspective on, um, this big, fuzzy, hairy thing that people have a hard time getting their arms around, which is this term called toughness, which you unpack so well in, or maybe you, you may um, you're you're pulling at this thread, which is, wait a minute, what, we've been led this this one way of saying toughness is this one thing, yeah. which is the macho, it is the 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 drill sergeant, it is the person that um, has the grit and the tenacity, but maybe there's more to this thing. Um, I love how you take an approach of this. Um, this is a a, a path to fulfillment. So there, I, I want to, because it's something we've talked about in this podcast, and there's so much I want to unpack there, but I want to start with this one because you said it, I don't want to brush over it. Arbitrary goals, like mm-hmm. aren't goals a way to keep us in line with being tough? Um, why do you use the term arbitrary goals when no, my goals aren't arbitrary. They're very specific to me and what I want. And then you, you talked about how that leads into 
chasing the white rabbit, but you ch- you you catch it and you're like, oops, like right. ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. Maybe I should be looking at somewhere else. So can you can you unpack that for us a little bit? These yeah. this idea of goals and um, how they can be arbitrary and maybe not serve us the way we think. Yeah, first and foremost, I just like the word arbitrary. I think it sounds great. Um, But in all honesty, we have, so many of us have an issue between aligning the chosen goals for ourselves with our identity and our our true values. And the reason we have that uh, difficulty is that we don't know our true identity. We don't know our true values. And so what happens then is that we, we determine these goals based on influences by other people or, um, you know, the sense of this is what we're supposed to do or uh, somebody else said that this is what's going to make me happy. And so I, I guess they're not arbitrary in the truest sense of the word, but they are not harmonious with who we are. And so the, the, the best example of that is somebody who um, – you know, spends their life chasing after a goal, whether it's athletic or business or whatever it is, to either please somebody else, like a parent, uh, you know, a boss, whatever, or uh, to get back at somebody, right? The, mm-hmm. the vengeance goal is, is a big one. Like, well, you know, these guys all kicked me off the team, so I'm going to show them. Well, you know, both of those things can result in really incredible achievements in the absolute sense, right? You can become the greatest athlete on earth. You can uh, become a billionaire, you know, whatever the case is, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happy at the end of that. And you're very likely not going to be because ultimately the, what was propelling all that work and, and what, what uh, kind of sparked that goal was something that is not truly what you want, Right. So it's one of those things where it's like you felt compelled to do this by something beyond what you truly value. And therefore, when you get to the end of that road, you're, you're kind of left holding the trophy like, well, OK, I guess I'll put this in the closet and then figure out the rest of my life now. So are you saying um, is there a parallel between fulfillment, happiness, whatever we want to call that and toughness? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I again, this is one of those things where. Uh, was tough the right title for the book? I don't know. I'll probably never really know, but that's the one I went with. And that's the idea because to me, that's what made sense. That's what resonated with me. That's the way I felt since I was a kid trying to figure this stuff out. Um, But in in order for that to make sense, that this is all in part of toughness is you have to kind of understand how I'm defining that, right? And that it is so inclusive, um, and it, it, it literally, you know, encompassing every kind of element of our internal and external experiences, you know, how we make decisions and why that sort of thing. Um, so it, to me, the, 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 the salient part here is that being truly tough means that you are very aware and you're very familiar with who you are, what's important to you, what's meaningful to you. And because of that, and because you know the importance of that, you are you have this continuous, really honest self-examination and evaluation to determine, uh, you know, how to develop the intermediate goals along the way that keep you moving toward that ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose, but give you all those, uh, you know, measurable, achievable steps along the way. 
both to kind of, you know, continue stoking that, that enthusiasm and that motivation, reminding you what that motivation is, and then giving you, uh, it's like marks on a map, you know, to show your progress, right? Versus you start on day one at age 20, like, okay, I'm going to figure out my life. And then at age 85, you're like, okay, finally got it. And, you know, so you had 65 years of not knowing what was going on. So that to me is what the goals are. So what's that process look like to you, that, that process of becoming secure in your identity, of finding what's meaningful in your life, that self-examination? Uh, it's a lot of different things. So it's, and obviously I talk about this in great detail in the book, um, and, and one of the things I wanted to make sure I did with this book is provide practical exercises, right? So rather than just throw out some philosophy and then go, okay, you know, figure it out, um, there are, there are practical, clear steps that everyone can take in order to work their way through this stuff. So first and foremost is, is you need a starting point, right? So right at this moment, you've got to sit down one of these days and figure out who you are. What are your, what are your values? And it's not always going to be easy. Well, it's never going to be easy and it's not going to be immediately clear. This is an ongoing process, but you, you have to have a, a jumping off point, right? So literally the first exercise in that book is, you know, answer the question, who are you? And I make it clear that your initial response to that is going to be, you know, pretty superficial, pretty basic, and that's fine. And then from there, we start digging deeper and refining. Okay, well, why, why do you think you're doing what you're doing? You know, why do you think you are making these decisions? What are these decisions doing for you? What are these actions doing for you? And in that way, you're kind of drilling down and, and trying to determine the, the really the underlying principles that are driving your choices in life. So it's like, uh, you know, I, I want to be a, a, the best weightlifter in the history of the universe. Well, why? What is that going to do for you, right? Um, because everyone can say, yeah, it'd be awesome to be uh, a world record holder. Yeah, but why? Like, what is that achievement? What what thing deep inside you is, is uh, that going to kind of touch? What is that going to make you feel really is what it comes down to. So we got to get into all the, the sappy, you know, feeling type stuff, which is the antithesis of the, the classic tough guy uh, persona, of course. But um, without knowing those things, you, you are just kind of throwing darts in the dark at that point. Uh I like, I like that. We have this um, thing that we use internally with our business when we're talking about mission creation or anything like that. And I think you, met, you mentioned this in the book where it's kind of ironic that business, this is common practice in business, yeah. but it's so rare for individuals. Absolutely. And we have this practice where we call it the five whys, where you drill down. You're like, uh, let's be, let's be the, the biggest seller in our space. Okay, yeah. why? Because if we do that, it means X, Y, Z. Okay, why does that matter to you? And if you want to drill down into your purpose, you have to go back a few dominoes. Right. So I, I, I love that. Greg, have you found that process to be the process of, of that digging into yourself, something that needs to be done or exclusively needs to be done alone in a dark room with some whatever kind of music kind of gets you focused or is incense there and candles yeah, incense and, and, and bubble yeah. baths and whatnot. It's very or, mystical. <laughs> or or can you pull that out with conversation? Can you pull that out with some other means? Because I think a lot of people get stuck with, okay, like Ben, to your point, like the, the five whys, awesome. People get stuck after the second why. And sometimes it's just a matter of not knowing 
the right question to ask yourself or not pushing back on an, an assumption that you're making about yourself. So Greg, I'm really curious how in your experience can you get there if sitting alone in a room for 45 minutes petrifies you or you know makes you fall asleep or something? Right. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And I think that this is where there is a lot of individual variation. So some of us are, are, are naturally a little more introverted and introspective, in which case we're going to be more successful doing the, you know, sitting alone, writing poetry in the rain kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of us are, are, are definitely better at um, getting the stuff out loud, right? So we need to sit with a good friend or, or with a couple different people and talk it out. And so, like you said, we can have someone who's number one, holding us accountable. Like, nah, that's not a legitimate answer. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of skirting the issue and, and taking the easy route. So let's stay here for a second and like, really tell me what's going on. I don't care if you're bawling your eyes out and it's, this goes back to your dad telling you that the, the Christmas present you picked out from your mom when you were six was stupid. And now you have all <laughs> kinds of issues. Like sometimes that's what it comes down to. Right. And then, you know, it, legitimately some people are going to need to work with a professional on this and there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's what it requires for you to feel like you're getting some, somewhere with it, then that's what you should do. Um, and so I think for most of us, it's going to be a combination of both, although we're naturally going to be more inclined toward one or the other. But what I would add to that, though, is so much of this ability to kind of learn who we are and determine who we are uh, is going to be the result of the accumulation of life experiences, right? So there's only so much we can accomplish sitting in that room or even talking to our buddies uh, or a therapist or, or whatever, reading books. Um we have to get out into life and experience things that are new and unique and, and that challenge us because the challenges are what really truly make us question who we are, why we're doing what we're doing, what we value, right? If everything is smooth sailing, then we're like, yep, we're good. No need to think about anything. We'll just go see what's on Netflix, go get a bowl of ice cream and pet the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, Versus, you know, going through something, a a true hardship, true adversity, uh, or even, you know, more kind of mundane challenges, you know, in the the athletic realm um, are are going to make you step back and say, okay, this did not go the way that I I believe it should. I did not accomplish what I know I'm capable of, or um, I don't feel like what I'm doing now represents who I truly am. So what do I need to, to change? What do I need to look at and, and kind of reconsider in order to get everything back into harmony or into harmony in the first place, really for most of us. I, I love that. Um, so the, the thing that pops up to me in there is you can't just sit there to, you know, having the mouse on the wheel in your head and just like, no matter how great that mouse is, is running and spinning the wheel, no matter how much power that generates until you actually put this to a test and actually say like, does this stand up to something? Can you be, as your words, like cement your character? Yeah. Um, And I, I, I appreciate that so much, especially if you bring it with it, that these challenges no longer become challenges amongst themselves for a pass or a fail. It's not, can I get through this challenge and win? Can I do this athletic event and win? Can I have this meeting and be the best person in the meeting? It's, 
can I come through this experience with a greater sense of self, with a right. more cemented character? And if you're putting life experiences through that filter, to me, that's, as you said, where you led off your talk, like that's the altruistic, that's the grandiose. That is how we can affect humanity because they see these hardships, not for something of like, and it's, they, they enter it with the idea of the, the fixed mindset piece of it. Am I going to pass this test or fail it? Right. And if it gets hard, man, this sucks more like chance I'm going to fail it. Whereas opposed to this is getting harder. Cool. Yeah. Better opportunity for me to dig. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, we, we hear the term resilience so much and that's, you know, it's, it's the internet. Every, we, we have these, these buzzwords that pop up. And so for a year, everyone's super psyched about resilience. And then next year it'll be a different word. And so resilience to me is like the starting point, right? Cause resilience, as I understand it is essentially the ability to return to the original condition after some kind of problem or challenge. Right. And that's good but it's not good enough for me. So like you just said, our, our goal should be coming out the other side of a challenge or hardship adversity better than when we went in, right? Uh, so not like, how do I just survive this? Like I'm hunkering down in the cellar, riding out a storm and then come back and be like, okay, assess the damage, fix it up, put it back to as, as it was. Yes. It's more like, okay, the storm completely destroyed everything out here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild this better the way that it should have been in the first place. Uh, I'm going to add this on. That's going to give me more options for, you know, whatever I'm doing over here, it's going to be more robust. Uh, and so that should be the ultimate goal. Is it? So I, I look at it is instead of resilience, we want like work hardening, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you pound on metal, you do certain things with metal and it actually causes the, the structure to rearrange itself in a more organized fashion. So it becomes stronger. Uh, anyone who's tried to drill a hole through stainless steel has experienced that. Um, so that's the ultimate goal. And, and to me, that's the, one of the hugest parts of toughness. And that's the kind of the capacity, uh, element that I talk about. And so it's not simply surviving, but it's learning how to actually exploit those things to our advantage. And I think the misunderstanding that comes along with that is that having that mindset and having that eagerness to, um, you know, approach those things with that, that goal in mind, doesn't mean those experiences are suddenly pleasant. Like mm. adversity is adversity. It's not enjoyable. If it was enjoyable, that's not adversity, right? Um, that's just a novel experience. So you have to remember, like, you're not going to enjoy the, the, the thing as it's happening, but you're going to be able to be a lot less miserable during the process because you're going to be focused on how am I going to use this to my advantage versus poor me, the world hates me and is just dumping on me and, uh, you know, it's hopeless. So, you know, your mindset changes the way you experience it, but it's not going to change the objective reality of a situation. And it's going to, the, the biggest effect you're going to get is afterward. How are you going to come out the other end? That's where you're going to be, you know, more capable, um, you know, have a better attitude, have a better outlook, have better tools to use the next time so that the next time, something that like that, that occurs, you're going to actually uh, be able to handle it in a better way. So it is less uh, difficult for you. Yeah, that's Good. yeah, it's phenomenal. So um, I feel like you're every, every time you talk, I feel like you're more of a man than me. I have never tried to drill through stainless steel <laughs> um, amongst a lot of other things that you've done that I have not. 
But you're. I like to have fun, Ben. Yeah, even more so. <laughs> now I feel like even that's your version of fun. So now I feel even smaller because that is not close to my definition of fun. It's um, not. Hey, it's not tough to beat yourself up by comparing yourself to others, Ben. Uh, well, here's as as so as you're saying that, like. Um, we have a framework that we that we've talked about on this podcast, which is these different levels of mindset. And we say that the lowest level of the mindset is the victim. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're just describing. Like, woe is me. The world is out to catch me. I have zero control of the situation. Um, this, that, that's the worst. The next is the pessimist, which is like, this sucks. I can't believe I have to go through this. Right. The next is the optimist, which is this will be okay. And because of that they have greater resilience because they believe that the world, the future will be brighter than the past. The highest level, the higher level that, that we shall be aspiring to in, our, in my estimation is the realist, which is there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Yeah. And that there isn't this, it's, an, it's, it's asinine to think that you're not going to experience hardship, but there also will be the, the sunshine and the butterflies as well. But I believe, and I'm not there yet, and this is what I'm hoping we all aspire to be, you call it um, work hardening. We, we call it the curious competitor which is this person that goes into these events. I wonder how I can come out of this thing better. That's literally, right. that's, that to us is what we all should be aspiring to be in every endeavor. Because then when the baby's crying in the middle of the night, it's not, woe is me, my baby cries. It's not even like, I hope the baby stops crying in five minutes. It's yeah. the baby's crying. So yeah. now let's go deal with this situation. And I wonder if I can bring more patience than I brought last time. And if I can't, I can't, but I'm going to learn from that. I wonder if I can be really present with my child as he's going through this. So um, your, your, your framework, just um, it's giving a, another um, prism for us to view this thing, which I, is um, really terrific and fascinating. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that kind of the framework thing. And you have what you call your four C's. Can you walk us through, um, what, what those are and how those play a part in what we're talking about? Yeah. And by the way, I did not set out to make these things be an alliteration. That was a a convenient, well, there's another (laughs) C. It was a convenient, uh, coincidence. Shit. Um, so we have character, uh, capability, capacity, and commitment. And so, uh, I, I essentially stuffed everything that I believe um, true toughness uh, consists of into those four elements. So character is what we've talked about a lot. That is, you know, who are you and are you secure in that identity? And that security in the identity is really crucial. Um, and I go into great detail in the book about that, of course. Uh, but, you know, if you're insecure in your identity, that's where we get all the stuff like posturing and and the the ridiculous sense of competitiveness over over nonsense. Like you, I'm going to be the best in this meeting. Like, what do you mean you're going to be the best? In the meeting? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense as a goal. Um, but you know, that's the kind of thing. That's what insecurity uh, creates, and it, and it creates uh, you know silly aggression and and you know escalating. Uh, you know, petty disagreements into violence and all, you know, all kinds of ridiculous problems. Have you um, seen certain character traits that are kind of ubiquitous, kind of certain ones that like, um, while they might not be the, make the, everyone's top five, they should be in everyone's top 10. Um, what character traits I think should be in everyone's top 10. Uh, I'm, I'm asking if you've seen, yeah. Have you seen, um, that consistently? Have you seen certain ones kind of like, that's one that's very um, representative of quote unquote tough people. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably the, the number one, and here we go with C's again, is composure. Mm. Cool, right? I like that word a lot. Um, and the, so we can look back through history, through storytelling, the hero archetype, right? We have never seen a, a true hero character who's, uh, uh, you know, really flighty and unreliable and, you know, all these things like, it, no matter how chaotic or horrible the situation is, they're calm, they're self-possessed, they're in control. And that's that's the from the confidence that true toughness naturally produces because if you are secure in your identity, you know who you are, you know what you value. Uh, if you have a, a very broad uh, collection of capabilities and, and the experiences that necessarily come with that, um, you have the, the capacity element, you know, the, the ability to withstand adversity and to exploit it to your advantage in the long term, at least. And then you have the, the commitment, you know, your, your willingness to apply all these things when it actually matters versus just, you know, self-deception saying, I am tough, and then not actually doing anything about it. Um, then you naturally remain very composed regardless of the situation because you have that true confidence, right? So it's like you, you see, uh, so the, the tough, the classic tough guy persona, the fake tough guy is the one who starts a bar fight because someone accidentally bumped into him, right? The, the actual tough guy is the one in the bar who gets bumped into and just says, yeah, don't worry about it because he knows it doesn't matter. Like, it's not that big of a deal. There's no provocation there. There's no threat. Um, he's not worried that some guy across the bar is going to think he looks weak for backing down. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He knows exactly what's important. Uh, and he, you know, he thinks and decides and behaves accordingly. I say he, and I don't mean it's just he, obviously it's anybody. Um, it's just that, you know, we all know guys are a little more prone to get into silly bar fights than the gals typically. But um, so that I think that composure is the number one thing. It's just that it's predicated on so many other ones. Wow. What, yeah, what have you so, seen that, what have you found, I mean, Greg, that, that stands in the way of a person increasing their composure? What, is, what are the roadblocks mm -hmm. that we need to get past in order to get to that place where you look at them and you say, that's that individual is not going to be rattled by somebody bumping them into a bar. Well, unfortunately, it's kind of like going through the entire process mm. uh, for a considerable period of time. And, and, and when I say the entire process, I mean, working on discovering or determining character and working on your capability, capacity, commitment, those things. But a point I make in the book, which is really important to understand is that this stuff is essentially a lifelong process. Right. It's it's not a weekend project. You're going to bang it out uh, this weekend and the next weekend you'll go back and you can build a cabinet or something. Right. Um, but the thing is, is that it's it's a gradient toughness and all the elements of toughness lie on a gradient or a spectrum, whatever you want to look at it as so that it's not you're either tough or you're not. And therefore, if you start not tough, trying to get to tough you just stay not tough forever until mo suddenly you, you hit toughness. It's every moment that you are working on that, you're making some kind of forward progress and you are getting tougher step by step by step by step. So it's like, if you're going to walk a mile, you can look at each step that hasn't reached the end as failure, right? I haven't gotten to the mile yet. Or if you're smart, you look at each step as being one step closer to the mile. So you are that much farther along in the process. And that's, that's 
how all of this stuff works. So it's not that you're either uh, you have composure or you don't. It's that you have an increasing amount of composure and and self awareness. Uh, as you go to recognize when you do lose that composure and take a step back and say, all right, I need to collect myself, you know, take a deep breath, figure out what's going on. Why am I so upset about this, this little inconvenience or whatever it is? Like if you're screaming about a parking space, for example, you're pretty far off from composure. Uh, if you are like getting your family out of the house while it's on fire and not losing your mind, you're about as composed as it gets. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, but there's a lot of gray area in between those two points that we can, we can reside on at any given time. I don't remember the original question. I may or may not have answered it. (laughs) it So, um, I like that idea of the gradient and it's not that pass fail of like, am I tough or am I not? It just so it, it, I can't help but think that this is such a a poignant example of um, I th- I'm going to miss it. I think it's called the Dunn Kruger effect. It's where like the novice yeah. the novice thinks that they're an expert, and the more yep. you learn about it, the, I can't help but think as people expose themselves to more about this, they're going to feel less tough in a sense. Absolutely, yeah. And I actually bring up Dunning Kruger effect in the book and make that point is that. When you have very little experience and very little um, education, kind of insight into yourself, it's very easy to overestimate your abilities or uh, your toughness, if you want to call it that. Um, and th- you know that's why you get guys in wearing tap out shirts getting the crap beaten out of them because they picked a fight with the wrong guys. Is well, I've been watching UFC for ten years, so I totally can defend myself. Well, you can't, uh, and you just found out the hard way. Um, and that's a simple example, but that it works for everything. Um, and, and people will get themselves into situations that they are not prepared for and, you know, suffer some potentially pretty extreme consequences. Um, and then as you start the process, you learn a little bit more and you become very aware of what you're not capable of and what you don't know yet. And so that means your self-evaluation starts to become a little more critical. You're like, Oh man, I kind of am not any good. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so even though your competence is technically greater than these other people's, their self-evaluation is more positive uh, than yours is. But then the, the, you know, the bell curve continues and eventually you get to that true expert level uh, where your self-evaluation and uh, your actual uh, competence kind of match each other again, where, you know, you, you are confident again in what you can do and what you know, but it's, it's actually justified at that point. And that's what we're all seeking, right? Or yeah, should well, we? Okay. So we, we've definitely lead into character. Um, next on the, on the, your four C's, I'm going to keep the elaboration uh, piece of it. Ca- yeah. Capability. And so this is, this is another one of those things where the, the classic, um, concept of toughness is, is very physically oriented, right? It's about physical strength and power, uh, the ability to physically endure a challenge, you know, coming down off the side of a mountain in a blizzard when you lost your gear and fell, um, though, or, you know, being able to win a fight or defend yourself against an attacker, you know, very physically oriented stuff. And that's, I think, part of why it's so often associated with men or masculinity to such a great degree. Um, but really capability, the way I'm looking at it is, we need to be able to do as broad of a spectrum of things as possible and, and be educated on as broad a spectrum of, of things as possible because 
that is essentially a toolbox, right? And the more tools we have, um, the more experience we have using them in varied situations and in varied combinations, the more prepared we are for any possible contingency that we encounter. Even if it's completely novel, we've never experienced it before, we can figure it out. Whereas if all we have in our toolbox is a hammer and we've only used Mm -hmm. it one time to pound in a nail on a board that's just flat on the table in front of us, we're very limited in how we can adapt that tool and, and you know get through something unique that's presented to us versus if we've got the whole workshop right we're over here welding we're over here building birdhouses uh, we're over here you know nailing upside down hanging off a ladder with one leg up on the ceiling if something weird shows up maybe we've never seen that before but we can figure it out and we can get through it so that that capability part is i mean and I lay this out, but it's you've got to start with the priorities, which are what's going to keep you alive, healthy, and functioning. Um, and then you start moving into the more peripheral sort of things like, okay, what are the things that I actually want to be able to do? Like, all right, I want to be fluent in Spanish. I want to learn how to weld. I want to uh, be able to write computer programming, you know, whatever the case is. But, you know, all those weird things um, – they're not just individual pieces that are, are are unrelated. We we end up with these really amazing opportunities for synergy, where unexpectedly multiple uh, abilities will will kind of converge and allow us to achieve something that you know otherwise there's no way we would have been able to do, even if we were just missing one of those components, right? Uh, and it's happened to me quite a lot in life, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why it was so salient for me is like this is. Uh, one of these things where you can't predict how these things are going to interact because you can't predict the experiences you're going to encounter in the future. But you do know with 100% certainty that the more experience, the more capability, the more knowledge you have, the better your chances of of this kind of synergy occurring and the better your chances of actually being able um, to successfully get through whatever uh, you encounter. Okay, so similar question to the character one. Is there consistent characteristics that you've seen that is it um, everyone should do gymnastics or um, CrossFit or everyone should learn how to swim or is there certain capabilities that are so transferable? Like this is a must, like get your kids to make sure that they do this. Yeah. The, the, the physical fitness and health part of it generally is absolutely fundamental to every human being on earth. Um, and not just for the obvious physical reasons, like if you get yourself in trouble physically, you need to be capable of getting out of it, but for the mental and emotional aspects too. If the healthier and fitter we are, the better our minds function and the more control we are of our emotions, right? So there is not a single situation in life that is possible to imagine where being unhealthy and deconditioned is going to be an advantage to you, right? It, it doesn't exist uh, unless you're trying to get insurance money or something. I don't know. I'm sure some, someone, <laughs> someone's going to be super clever and try to outsmart me on that one. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? Um, and so it's people get wrapped up in that, well, ah, you know, I don't want to be a great athlete. Well, you don't, it's not about being a great athlete. It's about truly being prepared for anything. Um, and so, yes, doing stuff like gymnastics as a kid, I, I really do think that is the number one thing a kid can do. Uh, for any athletic development. Um, I I think stuff like CrossFit, if it's done well, uh, is probably a close second to that, right? And and by done well, I mean having a really uh, 
a broad approach and a lot of skill work and development, not just like what what outsiders think of as CrossFit as just like a five minute beat down until you're throwing up. Like you don't do that to seven year olds or you shouldn't. <laughs> uh, it's not helpful. But, you know, because a lot of what they would be doing is gymnastic type stuff and, and basically learning a physical literacy um, and, and developing physical qualities that will then create a foundation for them to learn and be capable of handling just about anything else later. Very cool. Character, capability. Capacity. Um, and so capacity is that that's what we're talking about earlier about the work hardening or resilience and is, is being not just able to kind of survive adversity, hardships, challenges, but being extremely active, uh, in your uh, approach of how this is happening, right? Like you said, recognizing this is reality, this is happening, Not no, no denying the truth of it, and then immediately saying, how can I frame this as a problem that I can solve? Or how can I uh, mm. view this, or, or you know, what, what can I do, and how can I look at this in order to actually benefit from it, if not immediately in the long term? Right. So, uh, the, the, the looking, the attitude we have where it's, it, we're not eager for it per se. Like we're not excited, like, Oh boy, I'm going to have a really difficult year. It's going to be awful. Um, you know, I'm going to end up in the hospital, you know, whatever, not excited about that. But, um, so a guy named Doc, uh, Al Siebert wrote a book called the survivor personality. And he said something like, I'll probably get the quote wrong, but you'll get the gist of it. Uh, that the best survivors look at uh, adversity and hardship um, like it's welcomed, right? So it's not this resistance like, oh, oh, God, no, not me. I, I, I can't handle this. I don't want to deal with it. It's like, well, here it is. So I'm going to embrace this um, and and use it to the best of my ability. And that's going to mitigate the misery of it and then also give me something uh, you know, when I come out the other end of it, I'm going to come out of this better than when I went in versus like you said, you know, that, uh, the victim mentality, which is like, poor me, why is this happening to me? Everything always happens to me. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, and, and one of the big points in the book is this sense of agency. We have to believe that we are in control of, of the course of our lives and the outcomes of, of the events, right? And there's a big difference between blame and responsibility, right? So something could happen to you, right? It is not your fault that it is happening to you, but it is your responsibility to get through it and come out the other side um, as successfully as possible. And I think people a lot of times struggle with differentiating between the two. Like, well, it's not my fault. Didn't say it was your fault but no one else is going to come fix it for you. And the more you wait around expecting the world to take care of your problems, the less your problems are going to get taken care of, the more miserable you're going to be. And, you know, the less capable you're going to be of handling anything in the future, right? You, you, you it's, you learn this sense of helplessness and it, it just gets worse and worse and worse every time you abdicate that responsibility. All right, before we get to last, that last one, Greg, um, of the four C's, I got to ask because like, what's, your, what's your influence? How like, did you come up with this? I know you, you've been thinking about it for a long time. You've been a coach for a long time. But this is beyond the scope of 
um, thrusters and pull-ups, beyond the scope of like snatch pulls and accessory work. This is beyond the scope of like externally or internally rotating your shoulders. Like, like this is like, are you into philosophy? Are you, um, is it, is it introspection? Is it awareness of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's curiosity. I think would probably be the best way to put it. Another C. You can't stop the C's. Um, (laughs) It's, it's this like weird curiosity. I think that I've always had, um, but I think I've also always felt this compulsion to figure out ways to uh, not just help myself get through things and, and become more successful, but to help other people, right? Um, and I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but that's a lot of the way I spend my day. Man, I, I sit there and answer messages on Instagram all the time. And I, the most common response I get is, you're the first person who's ever responded to me, you know, on Instagram. It's like, well, that sucks, but you know, I'm glad I did. So point being like, it, it's, it's many years, uh, you know, about 40 years now at this point, uh, of, of experiences that have tested, I think, you know, my beliefs, my philosophies have forced me to reconsider things, have forced me to evolve in ways that I, I probably wouldn't have expected, you know, years prior. Um, and I spent the first, you know, two thirds of my life, just like an angry guy, you know what I mean? Like, and I think a good part of it, not to get, you know, we don't need to have a whole therapy session here, but, um, so much of it was the fact that I, I found the way that people treated each other, the way that people interacted, I found so upsetting and so unacceptable and I just couldn't stand it. And so my, my response is that to not have that like constant empathetic exhaustion, is just to be pissed off at him all the time. Like, well, you're just an idiot, you know, um, which is true in some cases, but, uh, but it's like, okay, well, what can I do about it? So again, am I a victim of everyone in the world being dumb? No, that's just me trying to make an excuse for being upset. Right. So it, giving me, a, you know, a justification for being pissed off all the time and, and wasting my life, you know, being mad at people instead of enjoying things. Uh, and, and so it's, you know, and the experiences of coaching and being an athlete and, and all the other, you know, millions of unrelated weird things I've done in my life. Um, you know, like I worked on an ambulance, I've worked in bike shops, making, you know, building bikes and repairing. And so like, I've done all kinds of weird stuff. And so you, you interact with so many different types of people in so many different situations, um, that you, you see the patterns, you see the differences and the stuff kind of starts to emerge, I think, if, if you are someone who is curious and who is interested in trying to figure things out. And I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but uh, I do feel like I took a massive step forward when I decided to actually sit down and write the book. And I, and I mean massive step forward, like in my own understanding of yeah. life and, and my experiences and what I'm doing and what I need to do. It's getting heavy in here. The fourth C is... Ben's like, and the fourth C, let's go. (laughs) Uh, Fourth C is commitment. And so this is, um, you know, this is where discipline and habit and routine come into play, right? This is where, this is the willingness to do the things that you're capable of doing, right? So uh, 
having that that great collection of capability, having the ability to get through adversity is meaningless if you're not willing to actually do it, right? So essentially without the commitment component, this is all kind of a little private fantasy is you're, you're you know, doing your, your positive self-affirmation in the morning, like I'm tough, I can do anything. But then when, when gosh, darn it, people like exactly, me. I am reasonably attractive. Um, <laughs> and so, but when, when things actually happen, then suddenly you are paralyzed. Like you don't actually do anything. And so, you know, the point I come back to repeatedly in this book is that without action, without your actually choosing to do something, all the rest of this stuff is largely meaningless, right? It, having a philosophy in mind, it might entertain you and, and you know, uh, you might enjoy thinking about it. But it, when it comes to actual life, it does nothing if you don't implement some kind of process or action. Uh, and so that's what commitment is all about. And, and so I, I, I talk about discipline and, and motivation and kind of the, the misunderstandings uh, attendant to those two things that are, are really common these days, I think, and how motivation has been conflated with enthusiasm and they're absolutely not the same thing. And, you know, so much of what we do is actually habit, not discipline and willpower. And so it's really looking at how do we, how do we not just like grit our teeth and grind our way through at, at our days, you know, making everything as difficult as possible, just, you know, for the pretext of calling ourselves tough. How do we set up our, our, our routines and our environments to allow us to achieve what we want and to be fulfilled, but to also make sure that we do have the willpower and discipline in place so that when we're not in our, our you know, perfect little routines and environments, we're still able to do what we need to do and are willing to. So similar to the question I asked for the other ones, have you found uh, commonalities amongst routines that have, um, that espouse, um, that, that produce some pretty extraordinary results? Yeah. Well, the, the, the number one is, is the, the underlying uh, sense of awareness, right? So we all develop habits and routines um, without being aware of them. Right. That's that's like uh, arguably the majority of the routines in our life are not something we've consciously created. Um, and so they're the common thread with really successful people, I think, is that they have really consciously and intentionally shaped their days and and their their uh choices in a way that create habits that support what they're going to do. And James Clear talks about that to some extent in his book, Atomic Habits, right? Is and I, it, I, I'm probably, this is paraphrasing, but it's, it's, you know, what are the habits that would align with the identity that you want? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's a good way to think of, of habits and routines is the, what would the person I want to be do, right? How, how would they do this thing? And so there's something I talk about with my lifters all the time is if you want to be a great weightlifter, you have to be a great weightlifter before you're a great weightlifter, right? In other words, it's the act as if kind of thing. You have to do and say and think the things and the way that a great athlete would in order to become that great athlete, right? And so it's, it's, Taking a look again, this goes back to the character part is in order to determine what habits are going to uh, work for you and what routines, you have to determine character and values, right? So 
who am I? What do I value? What is important to me? What's meaningful to me? And how do I, um, how do I create a, a lifestyle that is going to continually support those things, even when I'm exhausted or distracted or, you know, upset about whatever is going on in the world? So how, how do you do that? Let's say we circle back and we come up with that composure one. We see that all these great lifters, great athletes, all these hero archetypes have this composure aspect. How do we build routines or commitments around composure? Uh, a couple things come to mind immediately. One is, um, especially with athletes, is, is journaling routines, right? So uh, I'm a big proponent of a morning journal situation. And uh, of course, I, I've said this for the, you know, this is the 40th time I write about this in the book. Um, but having a, a routine every single morning where before you do anything else, save maybe get some coffee, because I know that's important. It's important for me. Um, before you do anything about work, before you look at Instagram, Twitter, whatever, uh, and get distracted and upset, you get outside ideally. Um, and it, if not, at least get yourself some solitude and peace and quiet for 10, 15 minutes. And you've got a journal routine. And the first thing you're doing is taking a look at the previous day. Um, you know, what, what did I do? Or I'm sorry, back up. First thing is, is your gratitude, right? So we're always starting this, this exercise with what are, what are we thankful for? What are we grateful for? What do we appreciate in our lives? And, and making sure that we're not just saying the same obvious things over and over again. Like I'm thankful for my family. Well, uh, no, duh. You know, everyone is thankful for their family for the most part. Like, but first of all, why? Well, I'm thankful for my family because, you know, my wife and daughter provide meaning to my life that I couldn't find anywhere else. Right. And, and there's, there's that sense of comfort and, um, uh, you know, home that they provide. So that's number one is why are you grateful? But then number two is making sure you're trying to find as many things as possible and not being afraid to focus on the most ridiculous, tiny details, right? Like, I, you know, I'm thankful for the mornings that I go outside and it's freezing cold. You know, it's 20 degrees, but the sun is out because I don't know what it is about that weather in the morning, but I love it. That makes me happy. Uh, and so starting with that and, you know, there's all kinds of research that has shown that, you know, focusing on, on the, the gratitude stuff actually changes the way our minds are working. And, and there's some physical changes potentially too. And that sets us up for the rest of the day, first of all, but then the rest of these exercises, the second of which is looking at the previous day and, you know, what did I do well? What went the way I intended? Um, and then where did I kind of go off the rails? Why? And, you know, how can I make that better today? Right. So some, some objective self-evaluation, with the distance, you know, it's the previous day. So we're not still hopefully under that emotional cloud. We're not doing all the self-judging and uh, self-flagellation like, God, I'm such a loser. You know, I didn't follow my macros perfectly the whole day. And it's like, well, well you get some space from it and you can be more objective. Like, well, I was always on my macros the whole day. And then my wife came home and, you know, brought me some Chipotle or something. And, and so I wasn't going to turn it down because that's crazy. You know, so I did as well as I could making that fit. And tomorrow I'll make sure that I plan ahead better, you know, things like that. And then the last one is, um, I think the new agers call it manifesting, right? As, as you're determining who am I today, you know, what does this day look like? 
And uh, the key here is that we're not wishing or hoping or, or describing what we'd like. We're writing this as if it's a foregone conclusion. You know, I am this and I do this this way, right? And, and so it's, it's creating the potential by creating the belief, right? We, we, have, we have to have that Stuart Smalley mindset, right? People do really like me, you know, um, in order for us to act and think in ways that support achieving the things we're trying to go after. Uh, if we don't have that belief, we don't have that confidence, then we'll never commit to doing what we need to do. And we're constantly in this awful cycle of wanting something and not being able to quite get there. I actually think that that's a great place to start wrapping up this conversation. Um, ben, any last questions, Greg, any, anything you want to say to, to kind of wrap this idea up? Um, no, I, I, I uh, well, yes, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway on this stuff is that I think for a lot of people, it can feel really overwhelming. The idea of like, oh my God, I have to completely change every single thing about my life down to the way I think of myself and who I am. And I think the key to remember is that it's as overwhelming as you want to make it, right? You can say like, oh my God, this is a huge project. Uh, I'm going to do this for the next 60 years. Like, oh my God, I'm never going to be done. So you can look at it that way or you can look at it as, wow, look at all the potential I have to improve what I'm doing, the way I feel about myself, my success, my, my sense of contentment, um, that's all room to grow. And every little step I make along that way, I'm getting closer to that, I'm feeling better, and I'm doing better. And so rather than it just being this big, awful, odious thing that's never going to get accomplished, it's more like, look at all these little improvements I can make, and every single one of them is going to be you know, noticeable in my day-to-day life. And that's my TED Talk, thanks. <laughs> Good. Any last words, Ben? Um, yeah, yeah. The only thing I would add is we could have had as equally a profound conversation about something completely different, which is Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, if if you guys have any interest in that as well, I really encourage you guys to check out um, Greg's content. Uh, probably, I would, I would just, I'm going to throw it out there as um, the Instagram, um, Greg. It is Catalyst Athletics. It's just, it's such a good resource for um, people trying to improve in CrossFit, athletics, um, obviously weightlifting, but I, I glean so much um, out of that. And I appreciate the content you put on and I appreciate when I ask you questions and you answer them on Instagram. Got to do it. It's what it's for. Uh, Greg, thank you. It's not just for showing pictures of my butt. <laughs> That's it's also for the ones that I love. You Those are the ones that get saved. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for writing the book. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, If folks want to learn more about the book, becomingtough.com, is that the best place for for them to go? Yep. That'll have all the info and the endorsement quotes so you can get all excited about it. And then uh, it'll have uh, links to a lot of the places you can get it. It's on pre-order uh, currently, uh, February 16th, it'll be released in hardcover ebook and audiobook. So essentially anywhere that you can buy a book, if they don't have it, they can get it for you. So, you know, support your local stores if, if possible. And, um, if you, if you have to go to Amazon, it'll be there and Jeff Bezos will appreciate the, uh, billionth of a percent of increase that you just gave him in, in his income. All right, folks. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to those who leave ratings and reviews. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. 
You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.